Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And uh, Father, thank you so much for bringing us to this point of bringing the end to the faction. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Okay, we're going to call this Faction Cannot Prevail, number four. Here's a word from the Lord. Listen carefully why I'm doing this. This is important. This was Debbie Finsky, 629-23. I want to share a word Jesus shared with me early this morning as I was sitting before him praying and just waiting on him. I heard him speak a couple of thoughts to me. After writing down the second thought, uh, Jesus just kept speaking this encouraging word. Many, so many who have in the past been a part of UBM are beginning now to understand the evil and the dangers of faction. The truth that they are receiving from me is instilling a holy fear within them. This is why I rise up in David, my servant, moving within him to keep talking and warning about this. It has been imperative for him to do so, for faction is a disease, killing many. So many who have not understood this are now finally listening and repenting, and many will return to my ministry of UBM to receive truth once again, for they are aware of the great deadness of their spiritual womb. My truth and a holy fear of me will produce life in them once again. My servant David must not stop speaking about these things, for I will have my way, which is revealing to all I have chosen, the true condition of their hearts. My truth will break out again like a wildfire through the mouth of my servant, for my anointing will not leave him, and my anointed chosen will soon be revealed and many, many blind eyes will be opened, and the deaf ears will hear. Hearts will be healed, and they will rush under the presence of my anointing, and will grow, and will, with much joy and spiritual vigor, produce much fruit, which will come forth from my life within them. My provision in every way will flow once again, Press in, and I will give abundant blessings. Receive them now as you press in to me, that I may make them manifest unto you. For my spirit is moving, stirring hearts to come back to me and my anointing. They are coming back to the truth. Trust me and wait on me, and you will see soon the outpouring of my spirit and my great supply of provision for my people as the unleavened bread continues to go forth from my anointed. 
and spoken forth from all who have received and believe and are walking the unleavened walk. The time is set for my life received uh, to pour forth from you a flowing stream of life. Remain faithful, humble, and pure. I have not and will not fail of any of my good promises to my unleavened bread ministry. Before I got on the, the Zoom meeting this morning, I prayed that God would somehow, some way, confirm this word, and I believe that he did uh, through some verses that were shared this morning. Deb Horton's scripture that she shared was Jeremiah 32, 6 through 15. The confirming verse is the second part of verse 15. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. I also felt uh, confirmation was received in verse 15 of her scripture verses. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land. That is, uh, those taken from their promised land shall return. Uh, amen. Shea shared uh, Philippians 4, 19-23, verse 19 and 20, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father, uh, glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord, all glory belongs to you. Thank you, faithful Father, for delivering and rescuing those who you will from the evil faction and opening the eyes of those who just could not see to receive the awful truth about faction and so uh, gave up and set aside your truth. Thank you for your blessings now and those uh, you are about to abundantly bestow upon UBM. And for your faithfulness to all over all the world who are faithful to you in giving out the unleavened truth of your word. Amen. Okay, so this uh, first revelation we called Gold Bubble Anonymous. Well, you know, we're going to change this anonymous thing very quickly because we started doing this because the uh, wicked factious leader, Kevin, uh, would attack the people who had the dreams. And so we just told them, hey, go anonymous, no problem, you know. It's not that we didn't get the attacks off, we always do, but it uh, unless a person is in sin or something, you know. So anyway, I saw David, Michael, and Eve sitting together at David's house. Then I saw a golden light envelop them, surrounding each of them like a big bubble. It was glowing and shining all over. The light was more intense, closer to their bodies, almost a pure white, and then got more golden towards the bubble edge. It was as though the bubble were a vast number of holy angels linked in every way around them with no gaps at all. I saw more coloring of the golden hue color when more angels were present. And I asked for a confirmation and got two heads for yes. I then heard this. Eve left the bubble. She has now to understand and seek me. Do not venture out to find her. The bubble is my holy angels surrounding you. Pray and put them to work, but know the divine usage. 
Well, the divine usage of the bubble, of course, is represents the protection that you have when you abide in Christ, right? And, uh, of course, we've been binding, loosing, and sending the angels as instructed. And through the 4th of July, the battle was being won with General Jesus at the head. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, so, uh she goes on to say, stay in unison at the innermost sanctum, the Holy of Holies. Your veil will not be lifted. Eve will enter again once she has been completely cleansed and aligned with entirely uh, entirety of Christ, as many more people will also. Yes, that's true. The other women and men that uh, Satanists are taking advantage of are being released through prayer and warfare for them. Mm-hmm. We are winning this war. Uh, you will also see these others, even some uh, whom you have never known or from the distant past, appear to each in vision. So let me say some of the women were taken into the harem by the stupid spirits and lust spirits the Satanists put on them. And they are being released by warfare. The angels are releasing them. Trust the spiritual as this is a reality beyond understanding. Your understanding of the life in physical cannot be without my spiritual eternity. Everything is here with me. I have never let go of control. The enemy cannot enter this sacred inner holy place. That is the golden bubble. Uh, keep the door open to me and your heart, mind, and desire with everything of your ability to give all and seek more of me, constantly trying and eagerly awaiting my very breath and glance. Feel my pulse raging like a roaring fire and heavy waterfall. I'm ready to burst from within you. And I say that's against the wicked. And it's happening, and it's almost over, and so we'll continue. The holy angels don't know the exact date of Eve's return. I believe it's already happened. But they know that she will be back. Amen. Anonymous continued, David, they said this is a trial for you too, and Father is trying to teach you some things too. It isn't your fault or anything like that, but there are specific things he is teaching you and helping you to overcome. Yes, indeed, is depend more and more on his supernatural power, right? That's one thing. And it has been a trial of crying to the Lord and exercising faith for these poor people. When she returns, she will be in the holy bubble and protection, which is unity with Christ. But it has been temporarily lifted, but she will return unto his glory when God gives her the grace for the repentance. And I believe this has already been done. There is uh, much God is teaching her right now and teaching you and teaching many other people. There is so much more going on than we can see and know. But in the long run, all of this evil is for all of our good and benefit. Amen. Well, Satanism is throughout the land, and we must learn to defeat it, as is happening in the physical. 
uh, special forces are collecting these Satanists who are always trafficking the women and the children and taking them to Gitmo and hanging them by the thousands. And I don't know if you know that, but this is a fact. And um, so exercise your faith and send the angels to do the work. Amen. As you all are manifesting and in agreement in mind, soul, spirit, body, with more of Christ, the greater the holy presence and protection. The light pushes back the darkness, but the full 100% glow is for the complete manifestation of Christ. I saw that resting in and only agreeing with the Word, one is in this bubble and protection, but if one even doesn't agree with the Word in one area, it's as if they are sticking their hand out of the bubble, which allows the attacks of darkness. Eve has completely stepped out of the bubble. Her angels are still with her, and uh, they are grieved witnessing this evil. But they know God is the greatest, and His way is the best way. And they know she will return back to Him. I believe this has already happened. Uh, the holy angels are also a witness against the fallen angels. I don't want to let my mind even spiritually see the other factious victims. The darkness there is too great, and I just don't want to look at it. It will all get wiped forever anyway. Praise God. They said this just now. A greater anointing is being poured out more and more. We can't get distracted from receiving what God is trying to give us. Further along in His Spirit increasing, she will return. I believe she has. Okay, we'll see shortly. Okay, uh, I'm going to title this, Kevin C. Ray, that's R-E-A, and Eddie Brast, uh, Captive Harem. That's their Captive Harem. That's right. Uh, this is anonymous, 62623, with my notes in there. The angels told us this dream is a truthful representation of what is going on. You know, dreams are usually representation. They're not literal, you know, uh, in many cases. And this is true of this one. In my dream, I was a virgin, and I was engaged to be married. And, of course, that's true spiritually speaking, right? I was on my street in front of a united church that was just a house. I have never spoken to the people at this church. There were three men out in front of the building loading their car. One of the men had tattoos on his arms. They started uh, talking to me about Jesus, and I spoke the truth of what God has shown me. And they said that I could sit down in their car to talk. They ended up locking me in the car with them and driving off, and I knew that they were trying to kidnap me. Well, let me say this revelation points out that they have kidnapped all of the women by demonic means, but this also represents snatching some off the street. But I felt God is in control, and He will get me out of this, she said. 
They took me to a giant farm that was owned by a man who had brown hair and his wife had red hair. It looked uh, like they were in their 30s. So this is, of course, the factious leader of our dreams, uh, Satanist Kevin Carl Ray, alias Kevin H. Ray, who has slandered us all over the Internet and made Eve his concubine through witchcraft and voodoo that he put upon her. This farm had a giant area that was fenced in, and there were many people in there that weren't allowed to go out. I want to say probably this is not a physical fence. Uh, the binding and uh, prison is by witchcraft. Yes, controlling people by witchcraft and voodoo. There was at least a 100 people there that were either willingly followers or of this man or they had been kidnapped and kept there. So let me say many of these people were dumbed down by Kevin's Jim Jones spirits and were taken captive and the women trafficked to give pleasure to Kevin who knows who else. I, I We don't know. The men all worked in the fields, and the women did cooking and other work. In other words, they were slave labor, just like it was with Jim Jones. I was given my own room that was inside the fenced area, whereas the people who were there, by their own will, were allowed out of the fenced area. Yeah, if you control person enough to know that they're totally willing they These people are going to their homes and so on and so forth, and he's even molesting them in their homes and things like that. Okay. The wife tried dressing me up, but she was actually kind, but I couldn't understand why she stayed with her husband. And this was Eve, of course, the red-haired woman, and let him do all these evil things. She seemed really submissive to him, and she went along with whatever he said. That's what they do. They have control. She also said that her husband sleeps with all of the women here, and that it will be uh, my turn tonight. Well, Jim Jones did this too, and then ended up killing uh, the evidence like Kevin does spiritually and sometimes literally, according to Claire's dream. But we have the angel's help that is going to report anything amiss, and we bound the spirit of murder on Kevin. So that night, when I was in my given room, the male, Kevin, who runs this place, came in and started uh, speaking with me. He spoke to me as if he was trying to be my friend and to get my favor. But I knew that he was evil and had much pride. He was complaining that only one-third of the people here are women, and that isn't enough for him. He wants more. And that every person here does everything he says, etc. He made it known that I had to sleep with him, and I calmly refused. I don't remember everything that I said, but I somehow convinced him to leave me alone, and to not try to stop to sleep with me. Well, he does not force the issue physically, I don't believe, but 
by witchcraft, voodoo, lust, and fornication spirits that he imparts to his victims to control them and to cause them to like him. Oh, my goodness. He was a gross man, but somehow he did what I said when I told him to leave. He left and left me alone. Christians have authority over demons, as Jesus said. If they know they have it, many Christians don't have authority because they don't know they have it. Okay, the next day his wife asked me how I was able to get him to leave me alone. I don't remember what I said in response to her, though, but she was kind and gentle, and I told her God is taking me out of here, and she couldn't understand how, but she believed God would take me out. So she gently, uh, in a kind, submissive tone, tried to convince me not to leave because she had been deluded totally, you know. She was deluded by witchcraft and lust put on her like the rest. So we've done warfare for them all, and they are free in Jesus' name. I'll get to that part. But I left anyway. God showed me how to get out through part of the fence, and I just left and walked through a forest to get back to my house. And, of course, this couldn't be physically because she's overseas, right? So it's spiritual, again, uh, representative. I couldn't understand why no one else left or saw the way to get out. Well, their will was hijacked by demons. Yeah. Um, My comment is that Kevin demonized them with witchcraft and voodoo spirits and with lust spirits so that they wouldn't want, so that they would want him ed who was trained by kevin has three women near arlington texas last we checked and we have their names before he made them disappear from the internet and uh, some in the farm we have if anything like an accident or quote suicide or they turn up missing He's going to hang. He will die anyway, according to our dreams and words we receive by faith at random. This word first, this morning. That's right. That's the first word that came up. Second Samuel 19 and 4. And the king cried with a loud voice, O my son, Absalom. O Absalom, my son, my son. Well, this is Kevin, who was my son. But he uh, never gave up his lust. Okay. Absalom hung himself just like Judas. So it's a parallel, right? And here is Anonymous's note. We asked if we should turn them in to the law, but the angels said that they could do much more than the law. And this has been proven true. <laughs> Uh, with the Lord's permission, we gave Kevin a condition which would save the women if met. We would not turn him over to the special forces who are collecting these Satanists for trafficking and, and hanging them. And we knew he would not accept this because of his pride and uh, that the angel forces would take care of him as they have. Father said he would teach Eve humility through this process. 
This will eventually lead to the spiritual blessings and other things that will come in the future and for eternity and from falling away and coming back, even greater, etc. Also, the ripple effect also of the testimony that will glorify God to others and many others of that sort. That even uh, the evil is blessing, although it might not look like it is at the moment and physical, but will be and will show itself to be good in the time to come. Notice this is going on all over the world. A testimony like this is going to affect people on how to win this thing. And my thought has been to believe for a miracle rather than just the normal, long, drawn-out process of teaching uh, people humility. But a, a miracle can be in a blink. Uh, my son Nathan bought a bird that hated him, <laughs> and he was going to bring it back to the store. And I said to him, let's pray over him. And we did. And in the morning, he was a born-again bird. He loved Nathan. Uh, the parakeet had a total brain change overnight. Now, what do, what happens to people when they get saved? A total change. God can change people quickly. This process, of course, has been teaching people that are in there, you know, what's going on and how to draw close to the Lord and so on. So when a person comes to the Lord, they get a miracle. And uh, she left the Lord, and the comeback can be normal or a miracle. Mark 11 and 24 says, Therefore I say unto you all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you received them, and you shall have them. She is coming back with a miracle. So we've had dreams of her coming back and having to go through um, a process of uh, deliverance. And so I, I don't think so. I think she's going to come back with a miracle. I received this for Eve and the others two times and confirmed it with two heads. Isaiah 51 and 14. The captive exile shall speedily be loosed. And he shall not die and go down into the pit. Amen. All things that we were wondering about, because we had um, seen had dreams about them trying to kill her to get rid of the evidence. It didn't happen. And we bound it for that reason. And neither shall his bread fail. We have prayed and believed for them. And not only Eve, but the other women who are captive there. Some of them been there for years. Luke eighteen seven and 8. And shall not God avenge his elect that cry to him day and night? And yet he is long-suffering over them. I say unto you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You need to have faith that this will happen. You know, we can't uh, send curses to anybody, Jesus said, right? But this is one thing you can do. Cry unto the Lord that he avenge these people speedily. These, these men have much blood on their hands, and God will avenge their victims. Cry for it. 
I received by faith at random, Psalm 92, 9 through 11. This is me again. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn hast thou exalted like the horn of the wild ox. I am anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also has seen my desire on mine enemies. Mine ears have heard my desire of the evildoers that rise up against me. Okay, this one we called Rampant Evil. Anonymous 62923. I dreamt that the world had forsaken God and His ways, and transgender evil was rampant everywhere and it was an offense to speak about Jesus. The majority of adults were evil and involved in sexual abuse practice. I met so many children that had been sexually abused in schools and other so-called trusted areas of care. Well, the children uh, has a double meaning here. The children could also represent those who are immature in Christ that have been taken captive from their school, like UBM, and abused by the factious leader, who is Kevin C. Ray, R-A-E. And this is just like the uh, parallel in the world, uh, the work of the deep state operations that have been going on underground for decades. And they are part of the same dragon devouring the helpless. These abused children, she said, that had that I had met, I adopted them, but not legally. I took them on as my own, and they came and lived with me in a safe zone. They never had to go back to where evil had previously been, been done to them. Again, this is a representation This adoption, in many cases, is by prayer and warfare for them. You can send forth the angels and help these and uh, deliver them from captivity and make them safe. So this is also the elect coming out of the factious Satanist camps into the truth again by our prayers and warfare. You can adopt these helpless children of God, many who were stolen from our UBM school by faction since 2011. And on a physical level, many of the children they are rescuing from underground tunnels and dumbs where they have been tormented by the deep state Satanists. Uh, this is their habit. They are, they're all very evil people and are being taken care of and receive deliverance from their captors. Uh, these These are two sides of the same coin and the same dragon seeking to devour the man-child, the woman, and the woman's seed, right? I could see demons in people, and those in whom I saw lust and perversion, I rebuked them and told them to go away, and they had to leave immediately, and they couldn't get close to me. There was a group of people I don't know who they were, but they were secretly kidnapping pedophiles and locking them up in a building in the forest. And when the building was packed full of these evil people, the entire place was set on fire. I heard there were 12 police officers in there that died too. 
Yes, it's in, it's in, the Satanists are in the police. They're in the government. They're in places to protect um, their friends, right? So this sounds like what the Alliance and Special Operations, who are part of Trump's military, uh, they are rounding up these perverts and are prosecuting them in large groups. Uh, in other words, they would prosecute at one time a large group of these that were charged with the same things, right? Um, and on a spiritual level, these people will go through the fire, okay? Second Kings 10 and 25, And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, Go in and slay them. Let none come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword. And the guard and the captains cast them out and went to the city of the house of Baal. And they brought forth the pillars that were in the house of Baal and burned them. And they break down the pillars of Baal and break down the house of Baal and made it a draught house uh, until this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. <laughs> We can destroy an awful lot of Satanism out of America if people will pay attention to the things we've been teaching about the angels. Things that the military cannot do and could never catch up to, the angels can do it. And they are ready. They are ministering spirits sent forth to do service for them that are heirs of salvation. Okay, we call this one Cut Off. Samuel 5, 12, 9, 22. I had a vision of a very sharp-edged and large, heavy metal door, larger than a warehouse garage and and thicker than a, a bomb shelter type, representing the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12, For uh, living is the Word of God, and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. When it closed, it came down with such force that nothing would stop it from being closed. It closed so fast and hard with a very loud bang that anything in the way was broken and sliced apart. It resembled a gigantic guillotine. And... The action on coming down to close was a lightning quick and powerful motion. So this representing the righteous and the holy judgment of God, which the factious and antichrist will soon receive and are receiving, I will say. Uh, this is Jesus' stained garment with the blood of the Edomite faction. Amen. Matthew 10 and 34, she said, Think not that I came to bring peace on the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. A sword separates. Right? Matthew 24 and 50, The Lord of that bondman shall come in a day when he expecteth not, and in an hour that he knoweth not, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Also, Jesus is the door. John 10, 7 through 10 says that. I'll just read this part. 
Jesus therefore said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Amen. The door separated between two places. One place was a brightly lit interior with a white and clean space, while the other space was a dark, gloomy, and creepy outside area. So it's outside the house, right? So um, this represents the soul, which is full of light of Christ, and the other whose soul has been darkened by sin and the lusts of the flesh, an antichrist spirit, which is outside the body of Christ. So it also represents those in the house and those that are out of the house. Um, As in Adam all died, so, so, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So there are people that are part in and part out, okay? Matthew twenty-five thirty-two and 33 says, And before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd separateth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Matthew 6 and 22 The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is the darkness. I then saw that a man was standing there right beneath the open door at the entryway. The man had one leg and arm and some of his body on the outside. That means outside the house of God, probably, and outside the bubble, you know. And the rest of his body was on the inside. Without any care or in complete ignorance, he stayed there. It was as if this man was content to remain under the door and not move. A lot of people don't know. That this is the case. They're lying. Preachers have told them, you're, you're once saved, always saved. Don't worry, it's your shoe end, and so on and so forth, you know. So, the lukewarm are part in the world and part in the kingdom. But, they will be cut off. And also representing the factious who did not receive correction and repent for sin. They will be cut off from the body of Christ. Ecclesiastes 9 and 12 says, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare. Even so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. And Luke 3 and 9, And even now the axe lieth at the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that bringeth not forth fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So the axe is like that too, right? And First John 2 and 4, Who saith uh, that I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not him in this man. I was horrified as I terrifyingly saw the door suddenly slam shut and sever off the parts of his body that hung on the outside. Psalm 37 and 9, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait for the Lord, they shall inherit the land. 
And let me say that the lukewarm shall be spewed out of the body of Christ. Psalm 129.4 says, The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Luke 11 and 17, But he knowingly in their thoughts saith unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is made desolate, and a house divided against a house falleth. Matthew 5 and 30, And if thy right hand stumbleth thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members perish, and not thy whole body go into Guiana. When I came out of the vision, I had sweats and shakes. It was immediately brought to my remembrance the verses relating to, quote, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness, unquote. And the other verse regarding the thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Matthew 22 and 13. Then the king said to the ministers, Bind him hand and foot and cast him out into outer darkness. There shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And Matthew 13 and 23. And he sown upon good ground, this is who who heareth the word and understandeth it, who verily beareth fruit and bringeth forth the one a hundredfold, the one sixty, and the one thirty. And I felt this was a warning to be seeking to have a hundred percent of Christ. Nothing else mixed in, right? <laughs> okay. The Lord will judge the factious enemy. And this is written by me. God's about to judge the wicked who have abused his children. Isaiah 40 and 10, Behold, the Lord uh, will come as a mighty one. That's the man-child, reformers. And his arm will rule for him. Of course, we know the arm of the Lord is Jesus himself. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is before him. Well, notice that the Lord smites the factious and then rewards the bride for her crucifixion by them. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and will gently lead those that have their young. He judged them in Isaiah 62, 11 through 63 and 6. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the earth, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. In other words, God's going to save the bride. And behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. 63 and 1. Who is this that cometh forth from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? That's the Edomite sheepfold, Bozrah. Uh, this that is glorious in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the peoples there was no man with me. Yea, I trod them in mine anger, and trampled them in my wrath." And their life blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, 
and the year of my redeemed is come. And I trod down the peoples in mine anger, and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their life blood upon the earth. And of course, the year of his redeemed has come. He's come to redeem them. We've been redeemed out of the curse. We've been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. All this is said in the scriptures. And Pharaoh's army was destroyed at the Red Sea, but the people of God celebrated on the other side. Isaiah 63, 11-14. Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, Where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit in the midst of them? Isaiah 64 and 1 through 4. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might quake at thy presence. I believe that the deep state will be retaliating with earthquakes when the Lord returns in his man-child, and possibly planet X also. Um, Verse 2. To make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence, when thou didst terrible things which we looked not for. Thou camest down, the mountains quaked at thy presence. For from of old men have not heard, nor perceived by ear, neither hath the eye seen a God besides thee, who worketh for him that waiteth for him." Here's a dream of the faction bombed and scattered and the elect's return. In other words, this is also a representation. This was given to Eve Brass, 2020. I dreamed that I was uh, dark. It was dark outside and I was standing in a line with local UBM brethren. Well, Eve, along with local UBM, was being used to represent the corporate body of the Bride of Christ. And we were all facing the factious enemy's camp and holding hands and praying. <laughs> yep. The bride must stand united against the faction and their witchcraft in prayer and spiritual warfare. Everybody out there is in this war. The camp was being bombed from above, and I saw a bombed-out vehicle about 50 yards in front of our prayer line. Vehicles represent lives. It appears that God is going to recompense the wicked for their evil committed against his children. I saw a group of factious men who had been standing in front of the vehicle begin to scatter because of the bombings. And one of the factious men who was holding a packet of legal documents was ducking for cover and trying to run away towards his left from the bombed-out camp. Well, I know what this is. The legal documents represent the factious leader's plan to sue UBM and David. Fat chance. (laughs) Also, the accuser of the brethren, Satan, persecutes the righteous through his vessels or vehicles of dishonor with his accusations in the court of heaven. I could see little embers from the bombings floating around in the air. Then a black woman who was deceived by faction appeared in front of me in our prayer line. Uh, This may represent another dream we had of her dying by a plague but repenting. And we've had dreams of other 
infectious people dying of the plagues too. And this could represent some of the bombing of their camp. Her skin and clothing were charred from the bombings, and she was very thin now. Lost a lot of flesh, maybe, huh? She was dressed in a large floral print dress that was all tattered, and her hair was all a mess, and there was blood on her face and her mouth. Well, the blood on her mouth represents devouring the saints by slander. Okay. She was crying and weak, and she was holding out her hands towards me, palms up in repentance. And then I woke up. Also, some who have been deceived by the faction will return as a result of the judgments upon them from God and also being delivered out of these camps, right? The Lord judges the faction and then gives the bride her reward. It was so with the bride and the man-child in Esther. The king of kings gave authority to Esther and Mordecai to destroy Haman and his people in Purim, and then rewarded Esther and Mordecai. We received this by faith at random this morning. Esther 10, 1 through 3. And the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea and all the acts of his power and his might and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, meaning little man, which is a man-child. Whereunto the king advanced him. For Mordecai, in verse 3, uh, the Jew was next unto King Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. Yep, the man-child will be under the king of kings, which is what Ahasuerus represented, and to do this work. Well, it was so with the bride and the man-child in Joel chapter 2. The northern army advanced toward Jerusalem, the bride. They cried unto the Lord, and the bride and man-child were revealed to the people at that time. The Lord then smote the army and then rewarded the bride with revival and restoration from all the years that they went through. This is going to be a wonderful restoration. And this was the Assyrian army of Sennacherib who were smitten of the Lord by killing 185,000 in one night. And here it is, Joel chapter 2, 16. Gather the people, sanctify the assembly, assemble the old men, gather the children, those that suck the breasts, and let the bridegroom go forth from his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Well, you can see the man, child, and bride were revealed in this battle. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive it into a land barren and desolate, its forepart into the eastern sea and its hinder part into the western sea, and its stench shall come up, and its ill savor shall come up, because it had done great things. 23 through 25. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he giveth you the former rain in just measure, and he causeth to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. 
and the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Yes, he's going to restore it all. So we see again the judgment of the enemies, like the Red Sea, and then the reward of the bride. And it was so with the bride and the man-child in Second Chronicles 20. The three armies advanced towards Jerusalem, representing the bride. The Jehoshaphat commanded uh, the praisers to the front line. Uh, the enemies killed each other off. The people took the plunder, and as it will be with the deep state and our faction. Uh, so Second Chronicles 20, 22 through 23. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set liars in wait against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sir, that were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Sir, that's Edom's leadership, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Sir, there everyone helped to destroy another. Yep, God does this, and there was great havoc in the camp because of this. Everybody's blaming everybody. So what has happened to prove uh, this will happen with the faction? Some of our missionaries were killed by the factious Catholics who blamed us for converting their cult members with the word and saving them. Yeah, having great success. Everybody can know you can't compare the two. Uh, they commanded us to get out of their country or uh, we would all die. They did a black mass to enforce this, and we called upon the Lord, who then started a war between the Catholics, Coptics, and JWs, who were pers- persecuting their Christian missionaries. So then, they were killing each other off for weeks. And this happened as it did with Abimelech and the men of Shechem. Like I showed uh, the the lead evangelist over there, I gave him this example as a way to combat their enemies. The Catholics said it was uh, my black magic that I did to them, and are doing a black mass, which is witchcraft, of course, to get rid of us. But they are still being killed by the grace of God. And the Christian missionaries have been spared all of this civil war. And also President Trump and the Alliance have started the mass arrests of the elites with their deep state leadership in the nations and are trying and uh, sentencing many to death by hanging or by bullet. Thousands of elites and many more deep state leaders are being removed. The witches around the world are with these Satanists to support them and to destroy the alliance and and Christians. But they are failing, and so will our faction. We have received from the Lord that there is a parallel between Trump draining the political swamp and the man-child draining the church swamp. So all of this is a type for us. Here's an email that I sent to the traffickers. Traffickers... Ken, uh, Kevin, and Ed. 
the Lord showed us, you are Satanists and sex traffickers. But we will let the professionals prove that. We have, in other words, this was um, to put fear in them that they are vulnerable and they are known, right? We have had a uh, detective on your case of sorts, of sorts, this is true, and we know some of the names of the women you have trafficked, and we know your perverse sex history, too, that you have bragged about, and there's nothing hidden from God. Repent and stop this immediately. We saw that you told Eve to leave her house with her son and girlfriend there and to go to her empty apartment where you could have undisturbed sex with her in her deluded state. We know you have those who are willing and those who are unwilling uh, to have this with you perverts, and we have some names. And when you send witchcraft and voodoo into a woman to make them mindless, and also all of your lust and fornication demons so that they want to have sex with someone they hated before, this is called rape. The women and girls you snatched and those taken from the factious are there against their original will. Hypnotists have been charged with lesser than these crimes. This is illegal, immoral, cease and desist immediately. You are a sex trafficker. A person does not have ownership and is not property. God, What God creates only he can destroy. And a note here, the angels had already told us that they could handle this better than any law or military, but I knew he wouldn't believe this. So I brought it down to the physical for him to know that there is a threat against his evil kingdom, right? Do you know General Eric M. Smith? You will if you do not do what is right. He and the special forces have collected thousands of your Satanist buddies for doing what, the, what you do and hung them. This method is a kinder way uh, compared to the written methods God could do to you. In other words, what's written in the Scripture about them is pretty tough. Turn and repent immediately. Of course, he doesn't believe the Scripture, so that I, I just threw that in there. Uh, put away your AK-47. This is foolish. He has used the special forces to collect your Satanist friends who have done the same thing as you and Jim Jones of Guyana fame and your creepy resemblance to this evil man. He also had sex with all the husbands and wives and girls. Excuse me, with all the husbands, wives and girls like you. And like you, he tried to cover up all the evidence by killing his victims. God told us he would kill you both. You send all of the women with Eve in the lead to us now, and we will do deliverance and send them to their families. If any are harmed or have an accident or a suicide, we will bring in the insiders to witness against you. Well, we knew that these were angels who have been telling us what they are doing. 
Our info is in the hands of an intermediator who knows what to do with it. This warning is out of love for a last chance. Take heed quickly. This is not a threat. This is based on factual evidence and justice impending in the very short term. Act quickly to remedy what will be taken back. Your salvation is at hand and take down the slander. You have trespassed on our property three times and twice we saw you or your people here and that was in the middle of the night seeking to break into our house. Please act now for these women's sake. David. Anonymous. I asked God for a verse last night on what he thinks of the email David sent to Kevin and Ed, and I landed on glorified God. (laughs) Matthew 9 and 8. But when the multitude saw it, they were afraid and glorified God who had given such authority unto men. Now, here's a good report from the angels on the war front, and this was on July the 4th. Today, things are totally different. Question, what are the angels telling you about news from the enemy's camp? Quote, we have broken through. The enemy defense. We took charge of all lurking and guardian demons with overriding authority given by General Jesus. He reassigned them to completely different sectors of the spiritual. They have no more involvement in obeying the human leader. We broke through to surround this human and baited out every personal demon. See, he can't do anything if you took his demons, right? He can't do it. He has no power. Each demon was spoken to, and they are to completely ignore us and not report to the human or have any reaction to us. In other words, they have been neutralized. They will not strike back. We then filled every space and declared complete control under General Jesus. Not one reaction or indication of anything the enemy is doing in response. There is not and will not be a counterattack. We have alerted those who need to know for rescue and to be prepared for escape. The ones who have been altered, oh, excuse me, alerted, yeah, altered too, yeah. The ones who have been alerted, it is in their spirit that we gave them the information. And most of them have been uh, altered in the mind and have been hurt in soul. The trauma to their bodies is mostly a mind control and lack of nutrition and sleep. We won't be divulging on the worst acts, as these and all others will be restored. We now await the timing of the next phase of attack. There are eternal, uh, external aspects that we are awaiting from other divisions with similar attacks and rescue. This is being coordinated together, so not one soul is left behind. 
Well, that's as we prayed, exactly. And this is a worldwide effort. You see, folks, uh, everything is uh, is uh, or- ordered of the Lord. This timing that we're bringing this to an end here is also a timing where this is being brought to an end elsewhere. Some have been, I, I've said from the beginning, they will never be able to round up all the Satanists and all the factious people. It has to be God. Well, it is. He is in the fray. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Some have been in this fight for many years. Today we have now secured many souls for safety in the Lord's name. Await further information. Keep praying. So, another question. How goes the war? I saw all these different trails of smoke above that all made a giant plume of smoke that filled the sky. Well, again, this is a representation of the war happening in the spirit realm. And then I looked down and I saw a battlefield and I saw holes that a bomb goes off in a big battle charred ground, things being broken, lots of wrecked items and heaps of piles and dotted everywhere on the on fire making these smoke trails. Angels were in large number adding to these piles with stuff I couldn't make out. <laughs> An angel dressed like a soldier and dirty like he had been very busy and hard at work. I believe he was dressed like this to make a point. He was nice and he said, as if reporting in uh, to com- to a commander, still going at it, we are making good progress. And I asked, what is all the smoke? And he simply said, uh, the fat is burning and the stubble is on fire. <laughs> the translation there, in other words. This is the interpretation of what, the, what you're reading about there. He's burning up some fat and b- burning up wood, hay, and stubble. What effects have happened with the enemy today? Uh, Completely infiltrated and everything is compromised. Stay tuned. Anything we should do now? Keep routing out and exposing all darkness. Keep holding and seeking the truth in my word. You all need to abide in me. That's the bubble. This train will increase in speed, and we strongly advise to hold tight. I felt that there will be a time of repentance, and these things will be another type of season. Vision number one. I saw a holy angel dancing in praise to the Lord, and I felt that what's, what we need to do, uh, we need to keep doing, excuse me, uh, celebrate the victory with praise and worship and all things. Yeah, amen. Vision number two. I saw many demons being arrested and put into prisons, but there were still some that hadn't been rounded up. I felt they are high-level ones and are hiding. Of course, this was July the 4th. Independence Day. I got reminded how it's usually the lower-level mafia that gets caught, but the leader is so hard to get because they are hidden and have many to hide them behind. Okay, But now these higher-ranked ones don't have their help, so it makes them stress, and it's more difficult for them. I asked how to get rid of these ones, and I heard, Believe their time will come and is coming soon. 
God could wipe them all out in a moment, I got to tell you, but they have a work to do. They're there, they chase them, they uh, bring into captivity people who are go- stubbornly going their own way, uh, and so on and so forth. The devil is used, you know, to, to chasten God's people who are out of line. Well, okay, um, we've gone a little bit over, but that's okay. God bless you, saints. Uh, this battle is near about over, and we have won by the grace of God. Amen. Good night. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. It's good to be back with you again on this nice summer day. Let's go to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, teach us how to help us to get rid of the world and the flesh and the things that hinder us from maturing in you, Lord. And I praise you for doing that, Father. We thank you, Lord, for placing in us the faith to believe that we can be mature in you, listen to you, walk with you, and to hear the things that you would have us to say if we would only dedicate our lives solely to you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this word to help people mature in Christ, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Well, that's what I want to talk about, and I've titled this Mature in Christ. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. You know, the scripture's got a lot to say about maturity in Christ. And several words are used, but I'll share one with you here. Second Timothy chapter three and verse 13. But evil men and imposters shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But abide thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a babe thou hast known the sacred writings, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The word of God is what gives us discernment of the false leaders and the wicked apostate leaders of Christianity. You know, we can become so familiar with the word of God that we hear his voice and we don't hear anybody else's, just like Jesus said. And we have to know that the people who shared this with us, as Paul shared this with Timothy, they are the anointed men of God. You can't trust other people. Now, we know that there is a perfect numeric pattern going through these teachings. And we know that God ordained the scriptures to bring to us the fullness of salvation, and the manifestation of salvation. And we know we're saved by faith. But as we walk in that faith, we're being saved by manifestation. And that means, of course, that Christ's life is coming to be manifested in us. That's why Paul says to this Christian here in verse 15, and that from a babe, Thou hast known the sacred writings which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And he's talking here about the manifestation of salvation. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
every scripture of God is also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, which is in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or perfect. That's what it means, or perfect. This is the word arterios, meaning perfect or complete. It's used both ways. Furnished completely unto every good work. And if you'll notice, it says it's unto salvation. It's unto perfection. And it's unto every good work. And it's, and of course, it's also unto discernment of the false. The scriptures are at the root of all four things mentioned here. And the scriptures give us discernment to manifest all of these things. You know, and the scriptures will bring us into maturity or perfection that the man of God may be perfect, furnished completely unto every good work. Second Timothy 3.17. Glory to God, folks. So the Bible does preach perfection. And the purpose of the word of God is to bring us into that perfection. And I'll tell you, if you're one who loves the word of God, you're going to grow a whole lot faster than all of those Christians around you who are satisfied with just sitting in church on Sunday and hear a verse or two and a lot of other garbage. But you'll grow much faster. You'll escape that curse that's around you a whole lot faster, and you'll manifest the salvation of God much faster than those around you. That word soteria means all my needs supplied. That's what it means. We're talking about any and all of our needs supplied, spiritual, physical, and emotional. And that's what we're all after, having our needs supplied as far as being able to walk in the kingdom and as far as manifesting every good work. And if we're able, by the grace of God, to come to this completion, this maturity, this perfection, then it will be unto every good work because obviously perfection and maturity is Christ in you, Colossians one twenty seven. Jesus said, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, John 14.12. So first of all, he has to perfect you in order to perfect your works because perfect people do perfect things, don't they? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20 says, Now the God of peace who brought again from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep with the blood of an eternal covenant, even our Lord Jesus. 21, make you perfect in every good thing. Now we got people complaining we can't be perfect. But here we're seeing who's going to do it. That's God going to do it. We discover that the foundation was the word of God being sown in our hearts, and that brings unto us the manifestation of salvation. That's Christ in you. We're told here that Jesus Christ does it. Jesus Christ is the word of God, the word made flesh. When we put the word of God in our heart, it's the Lord himself that brings this to pass. And even faith cometh of hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans ten seventeen. Hebrews 13, 21 says, Make ye perfect in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight. 
Now the Bible says in this verse, the Lord Jesus make you perfect in every good. The word thing in the phrase, every good thing is not really there. The numeric Bible reads perfect, perfect you in every good to do his will. Did you hear what I said? Perfect you in every good to do his will. When you put the word of God in your heart, you're putting God in your heart. The word is a manifestation of himself, of his life. So it's God Almighty. He's the one who brings all of this to pass. And don't shut, don't sell God short. He can do it. And the very people who say we can't be perfect wouldn't say God can't make me perfect. They just don't believe that it's God's will. And they're afraid that it might be God's will because if it's God's will, that's now making them responsible to cooperate with God to repent and turn from their sin. They don't want that. There are multitudes of people who confess Christianity enjoy the life that they live. They don't have an ambition to be like God. They don't have a desire to walk pleasing unto him and to walk in the steps of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they're looking for that excuse and the devil's right there to give one so that they can go ahead and continue to walk in their fleshly life and that's the way they want to walk. So how does God save us in the first place? The New Testament tells us he works in us according to the good pleasure of his will in Ephesians 1 and 5. And just as this verse says in Hebrews 13, 21, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Glory to God. The Lord has given us an awesome privilege. And when we put his word into our heart, it displaces the word that's in our heart and it displaces the nature that's in our heart. And the more of that word, the more that word overcomes the word and nature that's been passed on to us through the blood from our parents, the more we begin to walk in the steps of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at a good example in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service, or reasonable service, And be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He mentioned two things here. One, we have to give up our old life and we have to present our body as a living sacrifice for God. Or in other words, the trials and tribulations of life are going to burn up that old sacrifice. And as we're going through this fiery trial, We hold fast to the word, and the fiery trial is burning up our old nature. Now, the second thing is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Christians have to do those two things to find the perfect will of God. We have to sacrifice the old life, and we have to take on the new life, which is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's the same thing we just got through reading. It's just spoken in a little different way. 
It's the word of God coming into you that brings forth the life and nature of Christ. If he's promising to transform you by the renewing of your mind, that can't be anything less important than taking out the old software and putting in the new, glory to God. He says, casting down imagination and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, and beginning to humble yourself to what saith the Lord. And we'll put that word in there. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you in John 14, 26, if you put it in there. And that should be more important to you than even going to church because some of you are going there and you're just not getting the word. So Paul says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in Romans 12 and 2. There's that word perfect again. Define the perfect will of God. Who is it who walks in the perfect will of God? Well, the Bible tells us it's a perfect people. And I know some of you have in your mind an idea of maturity and perfection, but perfect it's what the Lord says is perfect in his word. It's people who are obedient to his word. And it's a gift of God because we just read that it's he who makes you perfect. He gave you the faith. He granted you the repentance. He worked in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. And he does all that when you use that faith that he gives you. So it's grace from beginning to end. It's all grace, folks. And what Paul is saying is that it's God's plan to bring us into the perfect will of God. Well, how do we prove what's the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? We do two things. We sacrifice our life and we change our mind. When you sacrifice your life, you're giving up your flesh in the world and you change your mind by by being transformed by the renewing of your mind and agreeing with God's word, that he says you'll prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I believe that sometimes we settle for the good, sometimes for the acceptable, and sometimes as we continue to grow, we find out what it is to be in the perfect will of God. And I can tell you, it's perfect people who walk in the perfect will of God. Now let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, salutes you, always striving for you in his prayer, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. So here we are once again, we can see that it's not just being in the perfect will of God, it's being perfect so that we may stand fully assured in all the will of God. And it's real hard for people who aren't perfect to walk perfectly. And some of you ask me right now, are you perfect? Well, I am by faith, glory to God. Everybody asks that when a person preaches on perfection, don't they? Well, what about you? Are you perfect? Yep, I am. I was perfected by the one offering of Christ, Hebrews 10, and I believe it, and I hold on to it. And I'm looking at the end. 
from the beginning. Glory to God. Now, uh, have I have I manifested perfection? Well, there I have to agree with Paul, Philippians 3 and 12. Not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect, but I press on. If so be that I may lay hold on that <clears throat> for which also I was laid hold on by Christ Jesus. So I'm not saying I have manifested that place, but I hold fast to what the Lord took hold of me for. I hold fast to him. I grab him and I hold on to him so that it comes to pass. So therefore, yeah, we can say that we're perfect by faith. <clears throat> Just as we claim a healing by faith or a deliverance by faith. You can claim deliverance from any sin by faith because the Lord already took care of it for you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Some people call that arrogant or presumptuous. But it's because they're self-willed and they won't submit to the word of God. No matter how many verses that are on perfection, they do that. And here we find that it's perfectly acceptable for us to believe that we can stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. Or else a lot of people prayed a lot of silly prayers that they never really believed would come to pass. But as we have seen previously, Jesus and Paul demanded and commanded that we be perfect. And it doesn't make a bit of sense in the world that they would command something that's not possible. And certainly if they were preaching the same thing that the modern preachers say today, they wouldn't have ever said that because they don't believe it's possible. But we just discovered that the Lord himself is the one that's going to do it. All we have to do is cooperate with the Lord. We put the word of God in our heart. The Bible tells us that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. And the Bible tells us that he's the word, the word made flesh in John 1.14. And we've discovered that we're like Mary. And that if we believe there's going to be a fulfillment of the thing that was spoken to us of the Lord, which is that Christ will come to live in us, that's the promise. And that's the gospel. So we can stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. And if you'll notice that this is a prayer that's being prayed by Epaphras. So it's quite normal for us to pray that prayer for one another and believe it for ourselves. Now, remember the two things we discovered, that we have to sacrifice our old life and renew our mind. First Peter 4 and 1 says, For as much then as Christ suffered in the flesh, arm ye yourselves also with the same mind. And of course, the flesh is that enmity with God. It's, it is. It's literally the enemy of God. So when we suffer in the flesh, our enemy is suffering. And God's enemy is suffering. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means the spiritual man is winning the battle. Glory to God. That's what it means every time. We're not talking about suffering in the body. We're talking about suffering in the flesh. It's that nature that is gratified by serving the body instead of the body serving the spirit. It's that evil nature in us. That's that old man 
First Peter 4 and 1 says, For as much then as Christ suffered in the flesh, arm ye yourselves also with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Glory to God. And that's because we're obeying the spiritual man. We're suffering in the flesh. And when we obey the carnal man, we're suffering in the spirit. And it is indeed possible to be twice dead plucked up by the roots. As it says in Jude 1.12. For Paul said, if we live after the flesh, we must die. Romans 8.13. We want the old man to suffer because he's the one being sacrificed. He's that beast that's being burned up on the altar, glory to God. We see that about the sacrifice here in 1 Peter 4 and 2. That ye no longer should live the rest of your time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Wouldn't y'all like to live the rest of your time having dominion over the flesh? Glory to God, I would. And do you know how powerful God's salvation is? Just think about the things you've been delivered from since you came to know the Lord. Things that used to have control over you, such as bad habits and sins. And they don't even tempt you anymore. Well, why is that? What is that? That's Christ in you replacing that old man. And God can continue to do that in you until the old man is dead. If you keep renewing your mind and sacrificing your life, and that's the plan. The plan is that we bear fruit, 36 or 100 folks, so that we no longer should live the rest of our time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Glory be to God. Now look for a moment at another verse, First Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be watchful, your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. You know, he has to have permission to devour. And it's got to be your uh, permission to devour. Whom, verse 9 says, whom withstand steadfast in your faith. And if you'll notice, we have the authority to say no to the devil. Knowing that the same sufferings are accomplished in your brethren who are in the world. And actually, the wording there is your brotherhood who are in the world. Now, who are your brothers in the spirit? Well, of course, they're the born-again spirits and the souls of the people around you among the people of God. But that old man's not saved, and the wicked are not saved. So your humanity has a brotherhood in the world. You know, you were in the flesh, and you are a son of Adam. In the spirit, you're a son of the second Adam. That's Jesus Christ. So your brotherhood in the world are those people of the world, the sons of Adam. And the word says that they're suffering the same sufferings that you're suffering, but it ain't accomplishing the same end in them. And if you'll notice what it says in verse 9, whom withstand steadfast in your faith, knowing that the same sufferings are accomplished in your brethren who are in the world. The suffering that they go through is suffering because of living in the flesh. And the suffering that you go through is because you're giving up 
the flesh. You're sacrificing the flesh. You can be going through the exact same trials, but you're growing up in God and they're staying under the curve. It's all in the way you handle it. The way you go through it. And if you go through it by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that old man passes away and the new man is being renewed day by day. And to those who are of the world, they're just a little closer to hell, that's all. And the God of all grace, who called you unto his eternal glory in Christ, well, that word called here means invited. And we've been invited into his uh, eternal glory in Christ. After that ye have suffered a little while, and that's because it takes time for the sacrifice. The old man you put on the altar has to be burned up, don't he? And then it goes on and says, Shall himself perfect, establish, and strengthen you. And once again, God claims that he's the one who perfects. And all we have to do is please God, brother. Faith is accounted as righteousness until righteousness is manifested in your life. God's planning on manifesting it. Are you going to cooperate? Are you going to give him the faith in the word of God because of the renewed mind? Are you giving him the sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice your life in order to have his life? And you can ask him to put the willing in you because he works in you to will and to good of his good pleasure. And we ain't taking nothing away from God. It's all grace. But we have to cooperate, and God will even put that cooperation in our heart. That's why we pray, because we know we're not of ourselves capable of doing this thing. But he is. He said, you have not, because you ask not. And so the first thing we need to do is to know what we need to ask. We need to know what our opportunity is. We need to renew our mind to know what God has given to us so that we know what our rights are in the kingdom. What does the Bible say? It says, forget not all his benefits, his Psalms 103 and 2. We study the word of God to find out all of our benefits and our rights in the kingdom and learn how to walk by faith and to have that very faith that the word gives us. Romans ten seventeen says, So belief comes of hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. First Peter 5 and 11 says, To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. First Peter 4 and 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial among you, which comes upon you to prove you as though a strange thing happened unto you. Well, like our Lord Jesus, we came here to die so that we can have eternal life. Folks, that's what we're here for. It's not a strange thing that God gives us much opportunity to have a fiery trial to put to death that old man. That's the work of God. It's his plan. You know, a lot of times we charge God falsely or we're offended because God brings us through a fiery trial, but it's his work and we need to cooperate. But in so much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that's what it said. 
ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Think about Christ's suffering. We don't want to be hated by the world. We don't want to have Judas's come against us. We don't want to suffer for things we never did. And we become highly offended if we're falsely accused. But listen to this. Verse 13. But inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, rejoice that at the revelation of his glory. Well, what's that he's talking about? It's talking about rejoicing because of the revelation of his glory, the revealing of his glory in you. That's the end result. Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all with unveiled faith, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. Folks, we're growing from glory to glory. So through Christ's sufferings, we come to that revelation of his glory. This is not a revelation of his glory in him. It's a revelation of his glory in you. He's already glorified. He said, rejoice that at the revelation of his glory, also ye may rejoice with exceeding joy. First Peter 4.13 I rejoice that I'm not the same man I was. I rejoice that God's life is coming more and more to be manifested in me. Because that's what the word said. Peter continues in verse 14. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Because the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests upon you. It's a good thing that the wicked people God permits and uses to come against you, bring you to your cross. And it's a good thing. Not for them, but for you. Verse 15, For let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler in other men's matters. But if a, a man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this name. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begin first at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let them also that suffer, according to the will of God, commit their souls in well-doing unto a faithful creator. We need the attitude of, okay, Lord, you have the fire. I'm the sacrifice. You're in control. Do your work on me, please. So trust God, friends. You're going to go through some fiery trials. There ain't no doubt about that, but you have to trust God through. Now, here's another good re revelation of perfection in James chapter 1 and verse 2. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations or trials. Verse 3, knowing that the proving of your faith works patience. A faith has to be proven. A faith that is used, that is necessary become strong. Verse 4, And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. 
if you have a steadfast faith, you're steadfastly holding on to the benefits that the Lord has already promised you. And if you're doing this, you're being patient in your faith. If you're giving up in the midst of the trial, like in the parable of the sower, you're like three out of the four people whom the Lord mentioned who gave up before the end. They didn't endure to bear the fruit, 36 and 100 fold. Think about it. Three out of four Christians are going to give up and go back into the world. Some people say two out of three. I think so, too, because one of the four didn't even understand. They heard the word, but they didn't receive the word with joy. Three did receive the word, but only one out of the three bore fruit, 36 and 100 fold. So when you go through the trial, do you give up in your faith before the end? Are you patient to wait to see God answer? Are you steadfast to hold fast to the word of God? Just like we saw in Luke chapter 8. So that you bring your fruit unto perfection. And it says plainly in verse 4, And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. And that really expands the idea of what we're supposed to be believing for. Perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. And what do we need to bring about this uh, that perfection? We need suffering. We saw the renewing of the, of the mind, and now we see that we have to hold faster our faith because just knowing the word of God is not good enough. We have to hold fast to it until it comes to pass. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. We're enduring to the end of our faith to see these answered and manifested. There's still more here that will address perfection. Look in James chapter 3, verse 2. For in many things we all stumble. If any stumbleth not in word, the same as a perfect man, able to bridle a whole body also. Now, somebody who speaks the word of God is a perfect man. A person who continues to agree with the word of God out of his mouth is a perfect man. Speaking the truth bridles the body and it brings it into submission. And a person who is able to speak the truth is able to bridle his body. And as a matter of fact, if we speak the truth concerning what the word of God says about us, God's going to give us grace. He'll give us his power too. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, By grace have you been saved through faith. Faith is manifested in a major way through our mouth. We confess with our mouth what we say. And so, we need to hold fast to the word in the midst of the fire trial to see God bring an answer to us. Glory to God. And James goes on to say in chapter 3 and verse 3, Now if we put the horse's bridle into their mouths that they may obey us, we turn about their whole body also. Behold, the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, are yet turned about by a very small rudder, whether the impulse of the steersman's willeth. Can you imagine that a tiny rudder can turn that big old, great big old ship that is moved by winds 
great winds, and he tells us what the rudder is. That's our tongue. So we need to agree with the word of God, speak it, and confess it. Romans 10.10, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Glory to God. Once again, salvation is the manifestation of Christ in you. Well, how does Christ come to be manifest in you? You confess him. You speak it with your mouth. Matthew 10.32, everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me, deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Luke 12 and 8 says, And I say unto you, Everyone who shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denies me in the presence of men shall be denied in the presence of God. The angels are ministering spirits sent forth to serve them who are heirs to salvation, Hebrews 1 and 14. So it's real important that the Lord confess you before the Father and before the angels. And that word confess means to speak the same as. In other words, agree with what the Bible says about you and about your circumstances around you. Agree with the benefits of God. And that agreement is part of the faith. And are you willing to suffer the loss of that old life, your old man? Are you willing to renew your mind with the word of God to walk by faith and endure to the end? All of these things are promises of perfection. And now we see that one way you walk by faith is with your mouth, with your confessions. James chapter 3 and verse 5 says this. So the tongue also is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how much wood is kindled by how small a fire. So the tongue can turn the ship around, but it can also burn it down. Your tongue can destroy you. Proverbs 18.21 says this. Listen very carefully. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Folks, it can be good fruit or it can be bad fruit. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 29 says, According to your faith, be it done unto you. How's your faith? Is it good or is it bad? You can have negative faith also. We can be so convinced of the curse, sickness, and other things that are wrong with us that we speak these out of our mouth. And guess what? You're going to have what you say. Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinks with, excuse me, within himself, so is he. It comes out of your mouth. Whatever you want comes out of your mouth. Matthew 12 and 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart? We need to be sure to put the word of God in there. And be sure to think and meditate on the word. So that we might not sin against the Lord. James chapter 3 and verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire. The world of iniquity among our members is the tongue. 
which defileth the whole body, and sets on fire the will of nature, and is set on fire by hell. The will of nature here is also the phrase cycle of life, or sowing and reaping. The sower went forth to sow, and he sowed with the word of God, which is with his mouth. And we do the same thing. We sow a seed that will bring forth fruit. And what is that fruit? It is Christ, glory to God. And we can sow the word of God with our mouth and watch that fruit grow to maturity. But, you know, it can also be sowing the fires of hell. A downward cycle, a cycle of reaping and reaping what the curse is. Verse 7, for every kind of beasts and birds and creepy things and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we the Lord and Father, and therewith curse we men who are made after the likeness of God. And out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth from the same opening sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, yield olives or vine figs? Neither can salt water yield sweet. 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good life his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and faction, meaning division, you're out to divide people. In your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom is not a wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Obviously, the opposite of this is love. Right? So, perfect love. Let's see. Let's look at what John says here, First John 4 and 16. And we know and have believed the love which God hath in us. God is love, and he that abides in love and abides in God, and God abides in him. Herein is love made perfect with us, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Obviously, if it hasn't come to the fruit of 36 and 100 fold in you, then you ain't going to have boldness before God. And you're going to be condemned. Because it goes on and says, because as he is, even so are we in this world. That's where faith comes in. You don't live anymore. Christ lives in you. And that's what Paul teaches us to believe. And that's what baptism teaches us to believe. We were crucified with Christ. And now the one who's resurrected in our life is Christ himself. And we're made free from sin. As Romans chapter 6 says, praise be to God. Therefore, as he is, even so are we in this world. Not as he was, even as he is. We're claiming that perfection. Hebrews 10 and 14 speaks about, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And even perfection in love, in verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
because fear hath punishment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he hath seen cannot love God whom he hath not seen. So the Bible teaches us what it is to hate our brother. And we can see an awful lot of hatred towards us and some of the people who call themselves our brothers. But that's okay because here again, God is bringing us through the fiery trials, right? God's going to raise up Judases around us. And they're going to rail against us and they're going to persecute us, even though we've treated them right. They're going to crucify us to that which is displeasing to God. Verse 21, and this commandment have we from him that he who loves God loves his brother also. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is begotten of God. And whosoever loveth him that hath begot, loveth him also that is begotten of God, of him. I'm sorry. Hereby we know that we love the children of God when we love God and do his commandments. The love chapter over in 1 Corinthians has got a lot to say about perfection. While we won't delve too deeply into all of that now, right now, I'd like to point out a couple of things to you here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. First Corinthians 13 and 10. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I felt as a child. I thought as a child. Now that I am become a man, I have put away childish things. And if you'll notice, he says, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. What's he talking about? Well, a lot of people in the Christian world said, oh, this is talking about the gospel when he came or when Jesus comes again. No, he ain't talking about any of that. He's talking about you. You put away childish things when that which is perfect to come as you mature. For now we see in a mirror darker, but then face to face, that's what it said. There it is. It's right there. When that which is perfect is come, you see in the mirror clearly you see face to face, you're looking at Jesus. Then as we're told, but in first, second Corinthians 3 and 18 again, but we all with unveiled faith, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the spirit. We see Jesus by faith now, face to face. But of course, the more we grow, the more we see him mature purely and perfectly. It's definitely not talking about the physical coming of Jesus. It's talking about him coming in you. And then he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, Now I know in part, but then shall I know fully, even as also I was fully known. When were you fully known? Well, we were fully known before the foundation of the world. Remember, Jesus says to those who don't arrive at any form of fruit, I never knew you. 
How many of you want to hear that? I don't. He didn't know them before the foundation of the world. But Paul says, when that which is perfect is come, I'm going to know, even as I was fully known. He's talking about you coming into the pure, true revelation of Christ. 1 Corinthians 13 to 13. But now abides faith, hope, love, these three. And the greatest of these is love. And of course, we're coming into his image. We're looking into his love. We're coming into his faith. We're coming into his hope because it's all been given to us from the foundation of the world. God is going to finish that good work he started in us. And that's what the Bible teaches. And we ought to continue to hold fast the glory of our hope, firm unto the end, because that's his plan. All we're doing is just entering into it. First, with our understanding, because we have to know what to exercise of faith in. We have to seek the word to know what our opportunities are. And then once we're convinced of the will of God, we can stand in faith and stay firm. And if a person is not convinced something is the word of God, they're not going to be able to endure in their faith unto the end. They're not going to be patient in their faith to receive perfection, like James chapter 1 says. We need to be convinced from the scriptures that it's the will of God for us to be perfect. And what the Bible calls perfect, not necessarily what men call perfect. That's why I like to look at a lot of scriptures and see. God already said it. He said it very, very well. So I think that as we continue to look at what he said, put that in our heart, he's able to bring it to pass through our faith. He'll bring it to our remembrance and faith cometh of hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, who knew? First Corinthians 2 and 6 says, we speak wisdom. However, among them that are full grown or perfect, it's the same word. Yet a wisdom not of this world, nor of the rulers of this world who are coming to know. Well, obviously the rulers of God's people didn't understand that wisdom either. Remember the Pharisees? They reputed to be the leaders of God's people who were supposed to be leading God's people in the word. Didn't know it. Verse 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Even the wisdom that hath been hidden, which God foreordained before the worlds into our glory, which none of the rulers of this world hath known. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, it's amazing that the leaders of God's people didn't know that this hidden mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. But those poor ignorant disciples walked with Jesus. They had this mystery of the kingdom. The leaders of Judaism, they crucified him. But those simple men had this revelation because they walked with Jesus. Folks, history is going to repeat. And I'll tell you right now that the majority of the leaders of Christianity will do exactly as they have done throughout history. They're going to lead God's people astray. They don't understand the mystery that has been hidden for ages. Paul spoke about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Folks, that's the real and true gospel. That's the real gospel. And it's our opportunity to come onto, into perfection and maturity, and the leaders don't understand it. Once again, they're going to crucify the Lord of glory. 
God's people. Hebrews 6 and 6. They crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. And they'll do it again because history always repeats. Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 says, That which hath been is that which shall be. And that which hath been done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. And once again, because they don't know the Lord, they don't know this mystery, they don't understand perfection, they're going to come against the one that Jesus lives in. They'll crucify Jesus again in our day, folks. History always repeats so that we have the words of prophecy made more sure. Second Peter one nineteen. You know what that word of prophecy made more sure is? It says that the Bible is, but the Bible is teaching us how the history of Christianity, which is a prophecy, will be fulfilled in our day. We just, all we have to do is read back and see what's happened. There's been a cycle for God's people. Just like we read in James chapter 3, the cycle of life. Well, we're coming to the last cycle here. And the history that happened in the days of Jesus is going to be repeated. The Lord spoke that many years ago. That everything that happened in the time of Christ and his disciples in the time of the Gospels in the book of Acts is going to happen again. But today, it'll take place on a worldwide stage with the New Testament people of God who are worldwide. Glory to God. Listen, if you want God's perfection, you have to know that he's the one who's going to manifest his sons in these days. Romans 8 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And what is the manifestation of the sons of God? Except Christ. He's the son of God manifested in you. That's what perfection and maturity is. This is God's promise. We don't live anymore. Christ lives in us. And that's the good confession in the sight of many witnesses that says in 1 Timothy 6 and 12. That's what the world's waiting to see. The world sees a whole lot of the lukewarm Christians, and for that reason, they ain't got a whole lot of respect for Christianity. But if they see Christ, you know the sons of this world are for their own generation wiser than the sons of light. Luke 16 and 8. They see right through a lot of things Christians don't see. They see a lot of hypocrisy in God's people. So you need to trust in him. Read your Bible. Don't trust in any man. Hold fast. Be willing to give up your old life and pray. Be perfect in the name of Jesus. And I'll see you next time. God willing. Can quench my thirsting soul. water made me your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in darkest night what will 
guiding light, the shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. O sacred heart, in you I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine. O Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh Jesus. Yeah.